Hello and welcome to Modest Conversations. It is an honor to be here. I'm here with Eric Hornberg. Great to have you on the show. Yes, thank you. I am truly, I love the uh, studio we're thank currently you. in. Thank you. And, I've uh, upgraded big, it recently. Yes, I can see. I'm a big fan. My, our, our studio has turned into my seven months old playroom for those yes. who have not yet been on the program. Yes, perfect setting for Modest Conversations. Um, but it works. So I'll say the thing I always ask, which is what do you want to talk about today? Uh, well, one, I want to talk about uh, Yuval Harari's latest book, which we've just spent the last 15 minutes trying to figure out how to pronounce. Uh, and we go with Homo Deus. Deus. But the other option is Deuce. Yes. And we actually, it's very confusing. Yes. Even the internet, it seems confused. Yeah, some say Deuce, some say Deus. So it's really right. obnoxious to name a book in a way yes. where you argue about the title. Yes. Oh, well, some people say it's an ostentatious book or overstretching. Well, it's, it's a, so talk to, I mean, for those who haven't read the book, yes, um, or for people like me who have skimmed the book, admittedly, yes. why don't yes. you kind of summarize, like, what, 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 why are you, I mean, you're not the only one into this. Yes. Lots of people are into this book right now. Yes. Like, why? So um, I'll give sort of a summary TLDR, um, because the book, talk, Sapiens, is followed Sapiens, which talks about the past. Homo Deus is all about the future. The future. So uh, basically, his basic thesis is that in the last, in the 20th is century... It sapiens or sapiens? <laughs> <laughs> Some people say both. <laughs> uh, so basic thesis is that in the past century, humans have, uh, the main projects have been uh, overcoming famine, uh, plague, and war. And we've done a pretty great job at that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people, more people die of overeating than undereating. More people die of uh, homicide than suicide. Um, and overall, we're just a lot less... Suicide concerned. than homicide. My bad. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, overall, just a lot less violence. Uh, and rather than sit back, rest on our laurels, and try to reverse sort of the effects of the, you know, the ecological uh, impacts we're having in the world, uh, humans are going to, uh, according to Yuval Harari, thirst for even more ambitious goals, as we always do, and that the goals of the next century will be um, overcoming, uh, de- overcoming death, um, experiencing uh, pure bliss, happiness, and uh, divinity, turning ourselves into gods, whether via uh, bioengineering, uh, cyborg situation, or you know, true artificial intelligence. And he wrote this specifically for Peter Thiel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, yes. it's, it's a funny, I mean, this book really has been all the rage in Silicon yes. Valley. And when you kind of state it simply, it's pretty obvious why, right? Yes, yes. It's kind of a justification for all things Silicon Valley. <laughs> yes, it inflates our importance. And I was listening to your episode with, with Joe Lonsdale uh, on UBI yeah. and jobs. And my understanding of your thesis is that it's a self-serving thesis, uh, or the, the Yuval Harari thesis is too self-serving, too sort of crazy, um, and not not realistic. Well, no, I think the UBI and a lot of this stuff, it's... I kind of feel like an optimistic pessimist on a lot right. of this stuff. Yep. We're like, I'm excited about this too. Like, yep. Yeah, let's let's become gods and like yep. do all this awesome stuff and come up with really ambitious projects. And I, for instance, actually really do believe personally in this kind of narrative, which is not a new narrative. Yep. That like humanity needs a new Grail project. Yes, right. I think we yes. even talked about it on that. Like it's a, it's been the thing we need to like we need a thing that we all aspire to do that's really hard and we can all contribute to. Like yes, build a cathedral. Yes. Right? Um, so it's like a really good thesis, but I also think it's like it's it's a mistake to not also point out how incredibly convenient right. the thesis is. Yes, um, and so it's it's a very good justification of all things Silicon Valley. Totally. To which I think he would say something like, whether it happens in the next fifty years or next five hundred years or thousand years, ultimately something like this is going to happen. Right. Which is again, again, I'll play the pessimist. Yes, please. Very convenient, right? Yes. Like it's like yes. you know, the, it's the. I mean, I do this too sometimes, but like it's call, calling the outcome and not the time frame right. <laughs> is, is always an easy thing to do. Yes, I, I sound like very cynical about this. Um, I'm not. It's just an interesting. 
So play my part for me for a yes. second, which is like, this is cool. Yes. It's, it's everyone gets excited. I mean, this has really been a, a, the rage right yep. now. I mean, I, I literally have been probably given four copies of this book by different yeah. people. <laughs> yes. Um, and, uh, but like, why do you think it struck so deeply at the soul of Silicon Valley these days? Yeah, I think for a, a few reasons, I think, um, Right now, you know, so he sort of paints a picture where we've evolved from traditional religion where God was the source of all things to uh, humanism, a different form of humanism where humans are, are the sort of source of all things. Customers always right. The voter always knows best. Uh, and, you know, when you're searching for who to marry or what career to pursue or what you should do ethically, you have a true, authentic inner self. Um, and he says we're evolving to um, what he calls dataism, which is uh, algorithms know you better than you know yourself. Emotions aren't these sort of transcendental things that only humans have. And I think it, um, we, in Silicon Valley, we build products. Uh, we have products that have data network effects. We have products that get to know people better than they know themselves. And so I think it uh, inflates Silicon Valley's importance, uh, not only in its effect on um, current you know, humanity, but also it, you know, Yuval Harari frames Silicon Valley as the only, like the solution to, to the problem. Like we, we, uh, we need to figure out how to best find like things for humans to do yeah. in this world where well, that I think out. is extremely real, right? Yes. I think that's like going to be a really challenging thing, no matter whether you're an yep. optimist or pessimist, right? Yep. Which is this thesis of if you want to have a cathedral project, I mean, the yes. reason I was cathedral to me, it's always the most visceral yes. metaphor of like, look, if you are in a medieval town, yes. right, you're going to like kind of all get together and some r local rich guy is going to like yes. underwrite part of it. And you're going to have this project yes. that you really believe in. It's like divine work that's going to take tons of people yeah. right, and tons of time over generations. So you basically have this like glue that like, pulls. I mean, I think yeah. the last obvious one, which a lot of people cite obviously is like the Apollo project, yeah. right? Totally. Like we keep, there was like, you know, there are these great quotes, which I'll butcher so I yeah. won't even try about like the janitor being like, I was part of the right. Apollo program and that was awesome. And like everyone, there was, yeah. a, there was broad ability to contribute to wars, right. which not great, but like that was yeah. a broad cultural moment. And the problem I feel like with so many of our grail projects now right. is they don't require that many people, right? Yeah. Like Elon wants to go to Mars and uh, that's awesome. Right. right. Like, you know, who doesn't nerd out about like yeah. building Mars? The problem is you don't really need that many people to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's hard to find these inclusive projects. Right. And he, uh, another reason why it's taken up, I think it's, it's such a depressing conclusion in, in a lot of ways in, in the same way. So he draws a uh, people make parallels back to industrial revolution. Like, how is this any different? Um, well, in the industrial revolution, um, the state still needed people. We needed cheap labor. Uh, we needed cheap labor and we needed military. Um, and now that, uh, you know, uh, technological disruption means we need less people for the economy. And now that the military is basically, we have few super soldiers and cyber warfare. Basically, his conclusion is that governments have less of a reason to invest in people. And there's uh, a class of people that's not just unemployed, but also unemployable. Yeah. Um, and that, what do we do with, with that group of people? And so we needed a grail project because we needed to keep the people happy and meaningful so that they contribute to the overall goals of the, of the government, but, but that kind of feels market. like a, what came first, the chicken or the egg type right. problem, right? Yep. Which is like, you know, did you need to build a cathedral right. in the middle ages? Like, no, like yes. it wasn't like you needed the cathedral and therefore you invested in the cathedral. So you got yes. your cathedral. It was more like you needed the people to come together and right. do something and to support your civilization and trade and happiness right. and a bunch of other stuff. And it happened. There was a convenient thing you could convince everyone was yep. a good idea to do. Right. Right. And so the, the yeah. other thing for me is like, yeah, if you believe that like some sort of goal, there was some sort of abstract goal 
that was good. And the question was like, how much labor do you need? And therefore, how much do you invest in your people versus mm. let your people right. go by the wayside or whatever? I'd believe that. But like, we're kind of inventing this stuff as we go. Yep. Right? And we're like inventing purpose and, and meaning. So the question is, what is that next purpose and right. meaning we're going to invent? And so when you say new cathedral is another way of saying it's sort of a new mythology that makes sense of uh, sort of, you know, new technologies in, in the world as it like explains it, gives it, gives no, it a thought. I mean more like a new cathedral is in like a new project right. that takes a lot of resources and a lot of people, ideally, but yes. ideally people more than resources. Cause like occupying a bunch of resources doesn't get you that much. You need to figure yeah. out something you can occupy lots of people with that they find valuable and meaningful and yeah. worth spending time on. Like this is like, religion is really good at this. Yeah. Well, Twitch is really virtual good. reality. That's his, his thesis is, he doesn't know if that's here in the material world, but virtual worlds are. But that's just so again, like just the push. It's, on it's, this. I mean, it's it doesn't depressing. really. It's not collaborative, right. right? It's like this is the whole like, and again, you know, these aren't really new ideas, right? right? Yep, these yep. are all like rehashes of old, yep. interesting ideas people have been debating for a long time. But it's like if you could all live in your if everyone could live in their ideal perfect VR reality, yeah, you know, the Matrix, but where you're not a battery, right? Yes, <laughs> right, yeah, um, like. That's fine, but it's kind of, it's just like kind of the end of humanity. You're kind of plugged in, checked out. I don't know. Right. What's, the, what's the thing about Gen X? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, tune in, drop out. Yeah. Is that Gen X or? I don't remember. <laughs> so, some some, someone had a tweet the other day where uh, basically, I think it was Julia Gale, wouldn't the Matrix make more sense if it was the machines and humans reversed? Like the machines were plugged in, to, like realized that they were in a world that humans dominated, but they actually had the power or influence. Yeah. I mean, Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one thing that's interesting about the book is how it talks about uh, inequality yeah. and um, how right now uh, inequality is mostly economic, um, but uh, at, like kings and peasants have the same genes, have like, and death is sort of the great equalizer in that, you know, I still, we're still you know, king's kids are going to have way more opportunities, but you're effectively the same person, whereas, um, or the same genetic structure. Whereas in, um, in the future, he, one of the big worries he has is with, you know, advancements in bioengineering, uh, with sort of these new technologies of, you know, life extension, anti-aging, are rich people going to get it a lot sooner? And are we going to have fundamental biological inequalities, almost like speciesism, like special divide? Yeah, which again is like not a new idea. It's right. like one of my favorite movies is Gattaca, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right? Which like explored this a yeah, long yeah. time ago in a movie. And that was not like an original idea at the time. So totally. Like, I mean, there's this thing, not to, again, I always come off like such a curmudgeon. No, no, this, no. But it's and like, I don't think he's saying it's new ideas, but do you think, so is, but do you think it's untru not true or do you think it's, well, what if it is true? The, right? thing, the, the, things that, the things that I find interesting is one, I actually find the fact that the book is so popular, yes. almost more interesting than right. the book, right? And so the question yeah. is like, what nerve is it striking culturally right now? Like, what is the timing where people are particularly excited and receptive to these ideas? Which again, like, it sounds curmudgeonly, but I'm like, these aren't really new ideas. Like, right. They're just packaged a little differently. But they definitely have struck a chord. So, like, I'm very curious about that. And then I think the specific question about how these things play out, I mean, it's very complicated, yep. right? And, like, you know, there are geopolitical issues about what's going to be allowed and not yep. allowed and how it's going to be regulating control, which I think people, especially Silicon Valley people, tend to undercredit or have historically the role that plays. Right. right. Um, you know, are the Chinese going to yeah. have very loose rules and genetically enhance themselves like crazy before we do? Or, like, right. what's going to happen with that? And then I think the... The thing about inequality, I, it all comes down to like what it's going to cost, yep. right? Yep. Um, I think is like a really, like I was actually emailing with someone recently who's like really in, not to obviously genetic enhancement, yep. but like just like human enhancement in general. And he yep. was making the point to me that he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on his personal human enhancement. Right. 
and you know how this is going to be like the big driver of inequality. Yeah. I think it's a valid point if you believe that things stay expensive. But the thing about drugs is like they're drugs at least is like yeah. they're artificially expensive, not right. fundamentally. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, the, and the cost goes down. Um, but so you're going to have your uber black of genetic exper- like. There's always going to be. Yeah, like, so do you want to do? I mean, like again, it's just an interesting question about where you experiment first yeah, and right. like yeah. <laughs> what. Like I don't know. Like to yeah. me, I, I believe. We already have this to some yeah. degree. Like I think there, you could look at the world and say we're already doing this because right. rich people, there are many who can afford it, end up doing things like IVF, yeah. and they make decisions uh, right. about you know viable you know specific viable yeah. embryos, and like that's actually really interesting because and kind of problematic because all of yep. a sudden if you think about like okay, there's an X probability that like your kid's gonna have something and that's gonna be a financial drain and da 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 da. So you could just screen for it now and skip all that pain yep. or play genetic lottery fully. Yeah. Like people are already effectively like, right. I wouldn't but say only, cheating, but they're yeah. like making decisions about right. genetics and how genetics And we did, we started doing that when we started having birth control and, you know, Yeah, look, and there, there are stories, who know if they're true or not, about right. people, you know, going to Canada to do sperm spinning because they right. want boys. I mean, yeah. like it's, the question is, is like, okay, like, yes, it's going to happen on the margin. Yeah. Um, but this story where, like, you know, some people, like, massively enhance themselves ahead of yep. everyone else. And, again, like, it's a good science fiction story. I'm not sure it's true. Right. I'll give you another reason why I think it's striking a chord with Silicon Valley in, in 2017. Um, the One of his main theses is that uh, the problems that we're facing, uh, you know, as, as a society, uh, climate change, um, you know, uh, nu- threat of nu- nuclear war, uh, technological disruption, whether it's bioengineering or what we just talked about, sort of the risks of you know, uh, how it relates geopolitically, um, also just, uh, loss of jobs on a global scale, that these are global problems that yes. require global coordination. Yes. And, uh, if you think about the people who deny climate change, for example, a lot of times it's nationalists, it's, you know, people who are like strong, uh, nationalists because nationalism has no solution for global problems. Totally. I mean, I think this is, this is an undeniable yeah. story, which is, you know, just as you think about in the U.S., yep. we went from a world where, like, a state was a reasonable amount yes. of land and economic zone, and yes. therefore made sense as an actual municipality and some yes. source of having laws, to a place where, like, everything's interstate commerce. Right. We have these legacy states. Yeah. Kind of weird because we all have interstate highways. Yes. We now are clearly in that on a global scale, and any problem of any scale, I mean, I feel like everyone feels totally tongue-tied yep. by because, like, what are you going to do? Right. right? Um, and I think it's very much like we sort of have this these tropes of like in DC or like this nationalist versus globalist. And I, we're in the globalist camp, right? Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, yeah, I am definitely a globalist at heart, but I think it is an interesting, I mean, there are a bunch of really interesting national right. questions about what's open, what's closed, yeah. how you deal with things. Cause I mean, one of my favorite, and it's something I, I don't know is I always talk about globalism. Localism is like UBI, right? right. All the rage. Yeah. Really interesting. There's something there that's very important. Yeah. It'll be interesting how it plays out, but here's the problem. The number one thing I don't understand about UBI is, or the people who support it, is you can't simultaneously have open borders and UBI. Say more. Uh, well, if you have UBI, you're like, yeah, cool. At the right. U.S. level, we're going to go to afford right. base income for yeah. everyone. You kind of are simultaneously making an argument that you have to close the borders. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And those who want open borders, it's like pretty hard to argue you can have UBI, right? right. Because like, sure, if there's like one pocket of the, yeah. of the swimming pool... Right. Where the, like all the jets are and it's nice yes. and warm and like <laughs> yeah. isn't you know everyone's you can't, gonna come everyone's gonna come to the nice part right. you know and so like it's a really right. interesting right I, I don't know I think there's some inconsistencies in some of people's arguments about some right of this stuff. and the, the inconsistency with UBI is what's universal and what's basic I mean is universal <laughs> is global and is basic like 
you know, healthcare, it's education, like how, you know, in different parts of society, that wouldn't have been considered basic or different parts of history. So, um, but one example of UBI that he brings up is interesting is, uh, sort of Orthodox Jews in Israel. Like, Mm -hmm. is that an example of, you know, they, it's my understanding, they get uh, support from the government. They don't work. They, you know, pray or full time uh, or rabbis full time and report high levels of meaning and happiness. Like, is that, is that an example? Yeah, except for, I think if you ask almost anyone who's secular in Israel, it's they like an incredible <laughs> tax drain and terrible yeah, yeah. and they don't contribute. Right. Yeah. They like, hate that. It's a disastrous program. <laughs> yes. And the Orthodox Jews are taking over and yes. destroying everything. Yes. Right? So. That, that, is, that is a strong counter, <laughs> counter thesis to UBI. But and even there's, there's, there's also arguments that, you know, actually what happens with the Orthodox communities, well, I'm not, I'm going to, yeah. I probably, <laughs> no, Orthodox Jews are very angry at me. Um, but like, yeah, let's just say that's not exactly a, right. the healthiest example right. of like a successful yes. system. Yeah, um, uh, I'm, I'm curious to ask you, um, national versus global, because one thing that's also interesting is, um, you know, you're, you've worked at Facebook for a long time. Facebook is, you know, like one thing Yuval Harari is very short on is actual solutions for how we think about global. Which again, <laughs> is very interesting, right? Because like yes. from a book, and this is why I'm just so fascinated yeah. by this book culturally is like, Bunch of ideas, good ones, interesting ones, yeah. not necessarily new ones, packaged yes. with not a lot of solutions. Yes. So, uh, do you have any hypotheses on why it's why it's hitting a nerve? I think people are just like really want a path forward and don't right. see one. I also think Silicon Valley is actually like a very sensitive culture. Yeah. Like we want to be told, and the culture wants to be told it's all doing good. Right. Um, and it's it's kind of interesting because I think the internet has felt like to many people like a bloodless revolution, right? right? Like most revolutions yeah. when they happen, like you displace something, yes. right? And like, because the displacement has been so far from right. the purview of any one company or person, it's been very yeah. non-obvious. Yep. And I think that's made everyone, I don't know. I think Silicon Valley, I have a lot of respect for it. I think it's an admirable place, but I also think it's like kind of soft. Yeah. Like it wants to be told it's the good kid, yes. right? It was like the nerd that did well in school. And yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's always gotten A's and like wants to be told that's, really not fair in a lot of ways, but you, you get the yeah, kind of yeah. image I'm painting. And right. so I think part of the popularity is you have this period where like people are starting to say Silicon Valley is bad. Right. right? And he and wrote about this like a year ago predicting it. And it's, it's, it's been totally, happening. Totally. You know, the last and, year. and he's also like, it's a period where like, Oh my God, like the person in the president in the presidency is not, I think who most people would have chosen here. And like right. all this stuff. So it's like, it's kind of like a, I think it's well-timed from that perspective. Yes. And, uh, you know, there are all these rumors that Mark Zuckerberg is going to run for president or people always talk about, you know, is the Silicon Valley leader going to be in president? Do you think that's going to happen? <laughs> not, not, not specifically, but just any Silicon Valley presence have major government. Look, I think Silicon Valley is it's not it's just woken up broadly to the fact right. that, like, you don't just exist in a vacuum yeah. on your own and you can't just like play like one globalization card right. in one world and call it a day. Like there are other factors at play. Yeah. So does Silicon Valley need to have a political voice? Yes. Is yeah. that complicated what that is and how it works? Yup. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I think, I think it's hard to imagine a world where people who have big global interests um, period aren't spending more time in Washington. Yes. Um, right. Um, one thing that, um, uh, he also mentioned, um, I mean, go back to Facebook. Where do you think, um, like in terms of global cooperation, global coordination, how to, you know, climate change, bioengineering, like, how do you think, does, does Facebook have a role in that? What? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think we live in this interesting time where like the internet is really, the dream of like a central, a single internet is really right. fracturing, right? Yeah. Like countries are going their separate ways. People are coming up with their local policies, um, 
you know, we don't have an open and free framework. You know, China's always had a different position, but I think like the right. position of like regional, the, the internet is regionalizing and fractionalizing yep. in a lot of really interesting ways. So, I mean, I think does the does a new technology or a new platform or platforms in general have a role in terms of stitching together people and creating better understanding and sharing and cooperation? Sure. Right. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's like, I, I think it's a lot of weight to put on, you know, one company, one company's shoulders, to, however big it is. Right. Um, I think companies are very good at specific things that they do and, you know, do more widgets of the same right. and like they can evolve and they can have great leaders. But I think it's a much bigger problem than even one very large company. Yeah. Um, one thing you've all uh, mentioned is he says that uh, the first, you know, we moved from religion where, you know, that religion promised uh, paradise in the afterlife to techno religions, uh, which is uh, the first one was communism, which through, uh, you know, the communism had, I think, two things. One is that labor takes over capital, and the other uh, is that uh, electricity in every home or something. Like, it's in dis- like it's inseparable from the Industrial Revolution. It's the first uh, religion that promised paradise on Earth through technology. This is his, his thesis. Well, yeah, I mean, tech- communism, it's been a while since I yeah. studied <laughs> stuff, but, like, yeah. by my recollection, like, the big, you know, at least framework around Marx is the idea that, like, basically communism would happen naturally through right technological progress over yes. time yes. and like the revolution of the proletariat was like yeah. kind of added after the fact yes. <laughs> yeah um, and what he says is that in our new challenges we're going to need new not only mythologies but also new systems and the reason i bring that up is because you wrote last year opposed you know the end of capitalism uh, and i think i want to know where are you like a year later and you're thinking on that idea and where we are. Yeah, it's like not a, I mean, again, like even that's like not a new right. idea. It's yeah, like yeah. an idea I've, I've, I've had, many others have had for a long time. Yes. But like to me, it's just really simple, right? Yeah. Which is like, we went through this very weird blip in history yeah. where it made sense to standardize our production and consumption into yeah. like these pieces, like basically U.S. government-backed pieces of paper. And we kind of trusted them not to print too many of them. Right, right? yeah. Um, but it made sense because like we wanted to trade way further afield than we knew people, mm-hmm. right? Um, yep. But if you think about the history of capital, and it was interesting, it's like, you know, so much in the 20th century of, like, GDP growth was really just switching social capital and social yes. production in the community into producing dollars, right? right? My favorite example is women, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like so much of GDP growth was just women entering the workforce in the home. It wasn't like they weren't working before, right? right? Yeah. They just were producing undenominated, yes. you know, things. So I think for me, there's this interesting relationship between, okay, like, we don't really need that many more refrigerators or very expensive things shipped around the world. Global coordination's good, but, like, local capitals, personal social capitals are more important. I'd rather earn social capital than financial capital in most cases, right? right? To a point. Yeah. Limits to everything. Yeah. It's not going away. But that kind of really messes with, like, a lot of how we think about, like, raising money for governments right. and supporting social programs and da, da, da. We're basically going back to a world of local currencies in my mind, Um and I think the other big player in that, which I mentioned, and I think I still agree with, is like the, the internet just frac- allows us to manage way more currencies. Yep. Social currencies, you know, you, you have thousands of relationships. The fact that you can kind of store them all somewhere and use them and utilize them further afield with friends of friends more easily. They're more fungible. That yes. makes them more valuable, right? Yes. And therefore, they're worth investing more in. The same thing goes, I mean, I think the cryptocurrency world where there have always been a whole bunch of cryptocurrencies. We yep. saw another blip of explosion of new cryptocurrencies. The only thing I take away from that is we can handle more currencies, right? right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Um, so that was a long-winded way of saying I don't think there's much change in a year, yep. but I still hold by that thesis. Yes. Um, Somewhat related, I like stat, uh, statuses on Venmo just yeah. because I know that that's going to, like social transaction, you know, or, or like social network around transactions, shout out to Cortina, is going to be, you know, going to be a thing. 
Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. People for years, when, when we were actually just talking about this recently, but, like, the Venmo feed was so non-obvious, yeah, right? right? Um, yeah. But even Cortina will say, I think, like, you know, for him it was always a different type of social experience that right. happened to use transactions as a backbone. Yes. Not the other way around. Right. Um, but interesting. So, like, let's just go back. I mean, going back to the, the, the homo deuce, <laughs> yeah. whatever we're calling it. Yeah. I love that we actually have no idea yeah. how to pronounce <laughs> Yes. I feel very uneducated. Yeah, I mean, it's a very modest conversation, yeah. in fact. Um, but, like... So it's just, just like a really pessimistic world. Like, oh, I, I hear more problems you and I are now spouting. Yes. There are no solutions. Yes. I hear capitalism is falling apart. We can't collaborate globally. The world's going to get more unequal. Weird shit's going to go on. Yes. We, we need a grail project. We have no idea how to generate right. one. Like, yeah. So I have sort of two answers. And this also goes back to the beginning where you sort of uh, you said that um, it's very convenient uh, and that the response to that, that it's an outcome versus timing thing is very convenient, but isn't like, what if this doesn't happen? You know, this is Peter Thiel's great fear that like, we're not going to have enough innovation. Um, like what happens if, if his world, if homo is not true and sort of the other extreme where we just don't have enough things happening, isn't that more pessimistic in some way? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's a difference between pessimism and optimism and just realism. Right. right? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. yeah. About yeah, I think there's. I actually think that sometimes when you have when you're overly pessimistic or yes. overly optimistic about the future, you kind of do a disservice to all the right. hard work yep. that goes into making stuff, yep. right? And so it's like, look, again, I'll go back to the Elon Mars thing. It's like I think Elon's probably the best marketer of our generation, if not yep. ever. Um, I sometimes question some of his yeah. technological precisions, but like, right. there's no question that his ability to say. Okay, I have a community around me and an aura, and I'm able to like set an audacious goal, and I kind of believe you can kind of do yes. it. Is yeah. like awesome, right. right? And like, who doesn't want to land? I mean, that you clearly want to do that now. Um, like UBI, it's like yes. we can have the abstract, big picture argument, or we can just say like, look, we should run some experiments. We should see what happens. It'll be messy and icky, and we'll figure it out, and we'll be like right. some shade of that. Like, how we're we gonna like deal with biology? How we're we gonna deal with VR? I just think it's like. We live in, and I think we've been trained to, especially our generation, because we've seen right. such change so rapidly in like this world of complete binaries. Yeah. When I think the reality is, is the more technology becomes part of everything, it does come up against other forces. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably good in balancing to some degree, right? Yes. Um, I don't know. That's kind of yeah. my take is like, I don't think it's like a optimism, pessimism thing. I think it's like a, actually, this is all kind of mucky yeah. and like icky complicated and none of the solutions are going to be super pure like we're not going to like solve global warming tomorrow we probably all also aren't going to like destroy the earth completely right Right. it's going to be like unfortunately something middling and mucky where we like mess up a lot of stuff but probably not everything yes and uh i don't know i think that's like very unpleasant yeah well i think one of the reasons is so scary for a lot of people because it when you've all as a well, two things. One, he's a devout sort of meditator. It takes two months a year and just, just meditates, goes on retreats, two hours a day, um, which he calls like a solution for him, but not a scalable solution for society in terms of happiness. But two is he is a devout, um, like vegetarian. And he really believes that, um, sort of the fear that he is instilling in us is that we treat, we are going, we're going to be treated by our overlords in the future the way we treat animals. Um, and animals, um, and so I think it's questioning to our... cook man. It will quote an old science fiction, right? <laughs> yeah, I actually with, with a functional purpose, basically. Yeah, I mean, like, look, the meat thing. I actually totally believe. Right. I always think I play this game of like when you think about your 
now that I have a kid, grandkids, yeah. great grandkids, they're going to like eventually look back on you and there's going to be something you do right. that is just going to seem totally yes. asinine or barbaric, right? Like, yes. What is it? Like what in your life are you doing right now that like they're going to be like, I can't believe right. you did that, right? right. Yeah. It's me like eating meat is like yeah, obviously yeah. the answer, right? right? Like, and I can't wait to like, you know, slip my right. great grandson <laughs> against his father's wishes like a piece yeah. of awesome red right. meat. And, like, and he'll just, yeah, you know, yeah. it's a smoky dark background yeah, yeah. because it's illegal. Right? And the, like, the messed up thing is, I know it's messed up and I still do it. It's delicious. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. I think the, but on a so, broader level. I was going to say, like, I think that's like a clear thing where, like, right. yeah, I think that will be seen as barbaric. Right. Um, I think another thing is, I just sort of, I think we all sort of assume the human race is going, it's pessimistic if you think the human race is going to be dominant forever. <laughs> uh, and I think he's sort of putting us in our rightful place in society where, hey, we're a blip on the screen of... Right, and there'll be some evolution out and yeah. like, we'll get killed off effectively, although maybe not violently. Right. right, and I think he's outlining a vision for how that might happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but simultaneously, what he also says is, uh, he says technologically, uh, technology is, uh, inevitable. The steam engine, you know, industrial vision, steam engine, electricity, uh, the phone. Um, but its outcomes aren't that, you know, those, that's those same technologies could have led to, uh, communism or could have been the most dominant form or, you know, something else. Um, the fact that capitalism went out is not inevitable by any means. And that's, that's all to say that, you know, in the future, these technologies are inevitable, uh, bioengineering, uh, artificial intelligence, but, uh, how, what we do with them and what, you know, structures, what cathedrals we build, what governments we set up, uh, are not inevitable. And we have, we have agency in how we do that. Well, the question is, do we have agency? Right, Who has agency? <laughs> what form of agency yeah, yeah. exists? Is, you know, you have the great man theory right, right. of history. There are all sorts of interesting theories yeah. about this. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, like, look, you know my favorite fact about the steam engine, by the way? This is actually what? one of my favorite facts. Yeah, tell me. Do you know that the Romans actually had steam engines? No. Isn't that awesome? They did. So they had, this is a fascinating history of technology. Probably true, although someone probably should web research this, but yeah. I'm pretty sure this is true. Which is, they had steam engines and they used them as children's toys. So they had yes. little locomotives that yes. they thought was super cool. And they actually basically, they had steam engines. They just never thought to scale it up and use it for anything. Yes. Right. So there's a question yeah. also, like, <laughs> technology might be inevitable, but like knowing what to do with right. it might not. Yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting. If Yuval Harari was sitting right here, and we asked him, you know, we had a question, of course, besides the pronunciation of his book, besides for some solutions to some of his, <laughs> some of his, you know, the problems they outlines, what would you want to say to him or what would you want to know from well, him? Well, I mean, I, I, here's my cop out. I would say argue against yourself. Right. Right. Like, yeah. I, I think, you know. The counter thesis? Yeah, just like you can't, I think it's really convenient um, to have some of these theses. And I think, you know, the rigor of saying, okay, like, what, what if you're wrong, why are you wrong? Right. Right. I, um, I think is always a fascinating game to play um, yep. in terms of like refining ideas and understanding right. the limits of how people are thinking about problems. And I honestly don't know what he would say to that. Right? Yeah. Um, which I, is maybe part of why I, I wouldn't say I'm dismissive. I actually think there's a lot I really like about it, but like, I wish I knew the answer to that. It is interesting when we talk about convenient, like it's very convenient for Silicon Valley to have these views, but DC, they're, like one thing he says is that governments of the past, Lenin, you know, others, JFK, Nick, like used to have these visions of the future. And like Nixon, I think tried to cure, like get cancer cured in like six years or something. Um, whereas today we all want to go back to the past. And it's like, like today in DC, it's very convenient to just ignore, you know, artificial intelligence. Oh, who cares about that? Like we're here right now. We're going to make America great again. Like what, what, what it used well, to be. But that's not that unusual. I mean, there's always been a, 
a narrative. I mean, this is the right. traditional conservative liberal vibe, right? Yeah. Which is like, is the better days behind us or in front of us, right? right. Like that's not, that's kind of like the history of politics, yes. right? It's people either looking back or forward and, and right. like how you think about that. I just think we'll go through these cycles on it, right? right. Um, I mean, look, I just look forward to an, a really messy future, right? Yeah. Or like some things are going to be awesome. Yes. Right? You know, Raquel... Bracken was did a modest conversation recently. He talked about like the future of oncology and like she's pretty sure we're moving into a golden age. A lot of people are. That's gonna be awesome. Like right. all these things we're really worried about right now that we don't have to worry about anymore. Yeah. But like it's not gonna be an easy set of solutions. It's gonna be messy. It's gonna feel bad. Yes. Um there's gonna be all sorts of badness. And yes. I just think that's my thing about these big thinkers in general, is like I love them. They're like right. total candy, right? Yeah. But the question in my mind is like, is it is it just too black and white? Yes. Totally. Um, I think good life advice for any philosopher or any, or any thinker who takes them so seriously is argue against yourself. Like, can, can you do that? Yeah, uh, for sure. So with that... That might be a good place to... Let's we can leave it there. Yes. Argue against yourself. It's great to see you. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it's been too long. We'll do yes. it again soon. Perfect. Thanks for sharing. This is our first Modest Conversation book review. Amazing. Thank so you So this is a, you're, you're setting... They're the standard bearer for exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for totally. sharing. All right. Talk to you.